Welcome to Sports Scene with Steve Russell. Let's talk some sports and have some lunch on ESPN 98.1 FM and 8.50 AM WRUF. Welcome into Hour 2 of Sports Scene. We appreciate you being here, taking time out of your busy day to join us as we celebrate 20 years of doing this program together. So uh, we appreciate you taking the time. Rick's our producer today. It is my pleasure to have in studio the Florida Athletic Director, Scott Strickland. He's live with us today. You can call us, email us, or you can see us on Facebook Live, and you can get a question, and we will get it to Scott. So 392-8255 for him. You can email a question, srussell at wruf.com. And again, you can get a comment on Facebook Live. Scott, it's a pleasure to have you here. Been a while, so it's good to see you. Thank you, Steve. Um, how did you get on the, the the committee thing? How did that all come about? The CFP? Yeah. Um, well, every um, autonomy conference, Power 5 conference, has a representative. Jeff Long has been the SEC's rep since the uh, committee was formed. Uh, obviously, he served as the chair uh, for the first two years of the, of the committee. So um, his he was rolling off, and uh, Commissioner Sankey asked if he could uh, nominate me and um which is uh was was you know that's humbling and it's uh, it's exciting i'll be honest when he first approached me um <clears throat> i uh i was a little hesitant just we were in the middle of football season and um you know I, obviously there was uh, our football program hasn't been where gators wanted to be and and uh, i was a little i knew the time commitment that being on the cfp would be and i wanted to i wasn't exactly sure that was something during the middle of football season going forward that that I was we were in position for me to to spend time doing but um after the transition was complete and we got to December uh and and had hired coach Mullen and Greg Sankey approached me again and and uh I thought you know I, I feel pretty good about where we're heading as a program and thought it was a good opportunity to represent the SEC and represent the University of Florida and and obviously I'm excited on a personal level to to be a part of that process you know it it's funny when uh, there there's a uh when conferences get together, there's talk, uh, Scott, of, I hope I get this right now, where an athlete uh, in certain sports can would be able to transfer without penalty. That would be in a case if a coach gets fired or in, in, a, in something. Do you support that? Um, there's a lot of different uh, layers to the conversation about the, the transfer rules. Um, I am not in favor of a young person who's an undergrad transferring and being eligible immediately. And I think that's what you're referring to. Yeah. Right now we have where if someone has received their undergraduate degree and still has eligibility remaining, they can transfer as a graduate student, much right. like uh, uh, Igor Kulichev and, and Canyon Berry have done the last couple of years in basketball. I, I, I think once young person has their undergrad degree, um, I think that's, that's perfectly uh, reasonable. Um, the the number one goal for us on all of our kids is is to help young people get their education and studies will show that when young people transfer they are less likely to get their degree and wow. so i don't think we need to do anything that encourages transferring we have a society where uh, you know we want a quick fix and instant gratification and i just think uh i think if you have instant eligibility for all transfers that that uh, that's not going to be a good environment especially now that schools are guaranteeing scholarships for multiple years. Um, right. You know, if, if a school is making a four-year commitment to a young person, I think it's reasonable to expect if a young person wants to transfer, there's going to be uh, a time to sit out, a period, a year to sit out. What I 
Um, what I am in favor of changing is uh, the way schools currently can um, dictate what schools a young person can look at if they are going to transfer. Um, I don't think that's I don't think that's in the school's purview. I don't think there's any way if a young there's there's two reasons typically why young people want to transfer. One is playing time, or two they're not having a good experience. Well, um, if they're not playing and they want to go somewhere else. Uh, a school shouldn't be able to say you can't transfer to anybody on our schedule or you can't transfer to anybody in our league. Why do we care? If they're not, if they're not playing enough for their liking um, and they have a chance to go somewhere else where they can get more playing time, we should want what's best for the young person there. And if they're transferring because they're not having a good experience, that's shame on us. That's, that's, you know, we should have some ownership and, okay, let's, we, we didn't do right by that young person. Let's let's hope let's help them get somewhere where they are going to have a good experience because they only get to do college athletics one time in their Correct. life. So um, I don't think it, I do think we should take out uh, where where schools have the opportunity to to limit where where kids can transfer to. But I do think if they transfer, they should have to sit out a year as long as they are still an undergrad. Okay, uh, I have an email for you from Sam, and he says, "Can you kindly ask if they were planning on changing the camera view for the basketball games?" I think he means from television, I'm assuming. I know the seats are sold out on the Boosters side, but every game there are noticeable empty seats since Boosters migrate to the Champions Club. Uh, can you flip the logo and have the camera view show the rowdy reptiles like Duke? would be a great way to promote our fan base. Yeah, the, the challenge there is that there's not room to put the camera on the other side of the arena the way the reconfiguration was done. Um, that is all handicapped seating on the other side where the camera would go facing the route of reptiles, yeah. and we would not want to displace uh, accessibility seating. Um, so there's real and, – and actually there's, there's – uh, the cabling that the TV cameras use is pre-cabled. It's built into the structure, and it all comes out on that other side that faces the benches. Um, TV prefers cameras to face the bench. Not everybody does that, so you do have – the school does have flexibility, but um, I don't anticipate us changing that. Uh, anytime soon we probably need to do, need to do a better job uh gator boosters staff needs to do a better job of encourage people who are enjoying the really nice courtside club there at the uh, exact tech arena to get in their seats when when the game action's going on because i i understand that bothers me too okay let's get a call for you uh hi craig welcome to the show hey Dave, how are you and uh hello to mr strickland as well hey craig uh, I've got a, yeah i've got a uh, question as an old alum here i know that uh, your predecessor uh Jeremy was uh, actively trying to add sports to our offering, and I'm wondering uh, what sports you're pursuing, bringing in to uh, increase our our opportunity to put points uh, in the um, when they do the national awards for uh, accomplishment. Well, we uh, we are not currently. Uh, we're always aware of what we need to be doing from a, a sport offering standpoint. And a lot of that is driven by. Uh, Title IX compliance and gender equity. Uh, we do have a uh, continuing need to add opportunities for female athletes. And so we are, um, we don't have a current timeline in place, but I do anticipate us adding a sport in the future. And uh, we, you know, unofficially are kind of poking around it and, and studying and looking at what that might be but currently aren't prepared to, to talk publicly about it. But I think you will, you will continue to see us to uh, continue to expand offerings for for females. Okay, so it would be the female end of the sports. It would just from a Title IX gender equity standpoint. To, to add a men's sport, candidly, 
you would have to add several female sports or you would would uh, you would have to eliminate a male sport and I, I don't I don't anticipate us eliminating sports anytime soon yeah, okay, I wasn't aware of that. Okay, very good. Well, thank you. Thank okay, you. Okay, thank you, Craig. Good to hear from you. Here's a great question from Mark for you. When does your day typically begin and end, and how do you prevent yourself from burning out? <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I don't work near as hard as people think I do. We, we have a great staff, great group of coaches. Um, you know, I, I get in usually a little bit before 8, and, uh, you know, a lot of times when the day ends depends on what's going on on campus and, and games and uh, you know, there are nights when, when I have uh, donor or speaking engagements that I have to be at. But, but typically, I'm, you know, I'm, if I don't have anything going on at night, if we don't have a game or anything, I'm, I'm at home in time for supper uh, around 6, 6.30 or so. So it's, it's, uh, it, is a, uh, it, it can be an overwhelming job, but uh, I've got a great family that's very supportive. And, and as I mentioned, a one, wonderful staff that, that does a lot of the heavy lifting. And um, it's, you know, those are – those are good problems to have because I get to work in, in, a, in a profession that I, that I love, and I get to do it at a place that, that's a lot of fun and where people are really supportive. All right, let's get some more calls here for Scott. Bill, welcome to Sports Scene. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Scott, uh, somehow in the back of my mind, it was that we were going to play Miami in football beginning next year, but as, what's our present status with having them as an opponent? We actually have a game with Miami scheduled in uh, the first game of 2019 and that game will be in Orlando at Camping World okay. Stadium. So that is uh, that is the only current uh, matchup we have scheduled in football with the Hurricanes, but we are are going to open up the 2019 season against them. I've just a year off. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Okay, thank you Bill. Hammer's up next. What's up Hammer? Top of the afternoon to you Steve. Top of the afternoon Scott. Hammer, how are you? Good, good. Scott, thank you for taking the time to be on Steve's show. It's my pleasure. Mine, too. Hey, uh, Scott, you could give us an update on the location, uh, the vision, and the timeline for our new baseball facility, please? Well, um, we're not in position right now to, to, to give a lot of details. We, are, we have three facility priorities that you've heard me talk about, I'm sure, Hammer, uh, the standalone football complex, and then updating and upgrading uh, both softball and baseball. And... I hope in the next uh, – sometime before the spring is over with that we can uh, – we'll be in a position to, to share what that vision is for all those facilities and along with uh, uh, proposed timelines. But uh, that is – I can assure you that that is taking up a lot of, of my day-to-day time right now. Uh, Laird Veach, our executive associate AD, is, is uh, spearheading those efforts, and um, we've been meeting a lot with designers and architects and construction specialists um, to try to put us in a position where – um, we can get some things accomplished there. Um, so I, I, I can't really tell you more than that right now. We have some pr- approvals we have to get done through the university and through the state, and I don't want to say anything that would jeopardize our ability to get those approved in, until we go through the proper process. But um, I'm excited about the opportunity to make a huge impact in those three areas. And the other thing we're going to do is, is another thing we're working on right now is, is an overall master plan that touches on all of our facilities. All of our, all of our sports will be impacted. And this won't be a two or three year master plan. This will be a five, eight, 10 year plan that will, uh, that will touch every single program. And um, a big part of that after we get through these next three projects, the football complex, baseball and softball, a big part of, of the master plan going forward 
will be centered around Ben Hill Griffin Stadium and uh, updating and, and upgrading and making sure that uh, that iconic facility stays uh, one of the, the real landmarks of college football. So uh, we've got a lot on our plate there, and, and it's going to, for us to accomplish what all we want to accomplish, it's going to take uh, all Gators supporting and, and being a part of the being a part of it and and uh at the appropriate time we're gonna we're gonna be able to have conversations where everybody can kind of understand what we're looking at and where we're trying to go there appreciate it scott thank you for the update sir all right hammer thank you appreciate you it's 115 time check brought to you by hayes prestige jewelry with the answer is always yes more with scott call us up get questions for him emails facebook questions the ad is here to answer your questions about gator athletics stay with us on sports scene Join us tomorrow for Ackerman and Matthews as we get you ready for the weekend, Shane. Kevin Brockway will be talking Gator hoops. Also, we'll have Hollywood Bob Redman talking about recruiting. Oh, yes. Final weekend of recruiting before signing day. So we'll do that, uh, see who might sign on the dotted line and much more. So join us tomorrow for Ackerman and Matthews. That's right. You can join them, and you can all always join uh, the tailgate later on today. But in the meantime, right now, it's our pleasure to have Florida Athletic Director Scott Strickland here Call us up, uh, give him a question. Uh, Facebook Live, Tommy says, uh, A.D. Strickland, we Gators appreciate you. Thank you, Tommy. Um, Daryl says, thank you for the Tom Petty tribute at the end of the third quarter at football games. Adds more tradition at the Swamp. And Gordon says, number of baseball games I can't attend this year. If I get my sign to you, would you lead the pregame cheer? (laughs) (laughs) I I wouldn't want to mess up Gordon's pregame cheer. We should make that like Mr. Two Bits. Yeah. Yeah, he's been doing that uh, a really long time. Uh, thank you for that, Gordo. Let's get uh, Scott to talk about uh, Gator Athletics with Scott Strickland. Hi, Scott. Good afternoon, gentlemen. Uh, uh, Mr. Strickland, I want to thank you for your uh, public uh, footprint as far as uh, doing these types of visits and your, and your uh, social media presence. Absolutely, uh, Scott. I appreciate it. My, my question for you is um, some, some other schools uh, that were named nameless have uh, – um, uh, hired um, football off the field support staff as de facto uh, assistant coaches, so that when other um, schools come poaching their their uh, coordinators and st- such, uh, there's someone there that, that knows the system. Can you tell me what uh, Coach Mullen and your uh, vision is as far as that is concerned? Um, you know, Coach. Uh... Let me back up, Scott. I I think it's really important that everybody puts together a plan that works best for them. And uh, I'm not a big fan of doing something just because somebody else does it a certain way. Uh, One of the the things I've I've admired working with Dan in the past, and and I've I've witnessed it in his short time back here in Gainesville, is he has a pretty specific idea of how he likes doing things. And I appreciate the the way he goes about that because he can always justify the things he wants to do, and 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 it's our job as an administration to do everything we can to support not just Dan but all of our coaches and what they think they need for the Gators to be successful. From whether it's from the staffing, whether it's from team travel, nutrition, strength and conditioning, whatever sports medicine, and so um, you know Dan Dan is. Uh, going to staff the program in a way that he thinks is most effective for the Gators. We have a lot of off-the-field, non-coaching staff members like a lot of people in our league do right now. Uh, I don't think we have the most. And, and candidly, I, you know, knowing Dan and the way he likes to run his program, I'd be surprised if we ever have the most. But I, we are going to have what Dan thinks we need for the Gators to be successful and win championships. Okay, thank you very much. Absolutely. All right, Scott, thank you. 
Uh, okay, another Facebook one here. Uh, <laughs> Sean says, super job getting Coach Mullen. Thank you, Sean. I, uh, I'm excited about uh, having Dan here, and I can promise you, and, and you can probably tell from his public comments, Dan is super fired up to be here, and um, uh, he's he is totally rejuvenated. I can tell from from my my time with him in the past, he is uh, he's fired up, and it's really it's a unique situation to get somebody um, that I know personally, get somebody that knows this place from his time here, and so obviously a lot of Gators know him. And and then also get someone with that much experience coaching at this level. I don't know. You'd have to look really hard to find someone who is high, uh, to find a school that's hired a coach that has uh, not hired a head coach has nine years power five experience. And arguably, you know, you could make a case the SEC West has been the toughest division in college football in the time that he's been coaching. And so to get someone with that level of experience is really rare and. Uh, I think that's going to benefit the Gators. Uh, those two things: his his experience in the past year at Florida and understanding this place, but also, um, you know, he's done this for nine years at, at a really high level, uh, unprecedented level, really for Mississippi State. And uh, I, I think he's going to do a phenomenal job. Still have time for calls and uh, emails, questions, and comments for the Gator Athletic Director Scott Strickland three nine two eight two five five. Scott, I want to ask about buyouts because if you add up the amount of money that coaches have been paid just in our league through buyouts, a lot of money. Is that just, I want to say, a necessary evil? Is it, just the, is it just the cost of doing business these days when you negotiate these contracts? Unfortunately, um, a lot of times the market has taken it there. And um, I, don't, I don't like it. I'm, you know, I, I wish it were different. <laughs> yeah. And um, I think we're paying – an extraordinary amount of money. We, you know, we we have not fully guaranteed contracts, and you have some schools in our league that are fully guaranteeing contracts. And candidly, in some cases, they're doing them for coaches that have who really, you know, Nick Saban. If his contract's fully guaranteed, you kind of get that right. That you know, that's probably uh, if you're at the University of Alabama, you're thinking we're probably never going to have to worry about that because we're not going to execute the buyout clause to that contract. Yeah. Um, but what that does is that begins to set the market for other coaches. Who probably aren't as who aren't as successful, and their agents you or their representatives use that information to get their buyout percentage higher. And um, so I, I don't like it. I uh, uh, I wish that uh, uh, I wish we didn't have to deal with that at the level we do. Especially um, since the salaries are already really good. The uh, uh, you know what agents will say is you know we need some kind of security. And candidly, security is winning games. Security is being successful and doing a good job and if you do that you're going to be rewarded financially and you don't have to worry about security um you know i don't like the idea of paying coaches to fail and and that's a lot of times when you start talking about the guaranteed number that that's where that comes from um so that's uh, i wish we could do something to rein that in uh and it's uh, it's really a challenge uh, uh let's see sean says love the enthusiasm chris wants to know on facebook live if you prefer philly cheese steaks or clam chowder <laughs> wow <laughs> i uh, i'd probably go with a philly cheese steak but uh it's uh it's gonna be hard to to pick against the, the patriots this weekend with what they've done but uh you know we got gators on both sides yep so we're gonna get we're gonna have two gators get super bowl rings either way that's right um i, I you know I, I had a friend of mine who has been bugging me to ask you this 
so I will. He said, in talking to me, he said, you know what? Why was there the intrigue of the football hire when Scott knew Dan Mullen, knew the job he had done? So, I mean, even though he ended up here, he said, wouldn't that be a logical choice to make and have it done be done quickly? So I'm not sure how to ask that, Scott, but I'll just try. Don't you have to do your due diligence? I mean, you know what you have in Dan, right? But as an athletic director, don't you have to do due diligence elsewhere? You do, and and I'll be honest, I, I uh, from a from a Florida standpoint, my job is to do what's best from Florida for Florida. I knew Dan was probably going to be as prepared and and check more boxes than anybody we could find. Um, but having uh, you know the ties I do back to Mississippi State. I had a lot of discomfort with hiring the head football coach of Mississippi State, not with hiring Dan Mullen, but with yeah. hiring their football coach. And um, I knew that was going to leave uh, some scar tissue with some relationships. And I, I just, on a personal level, I wanted to to see if there was somebody out there that could check the boxes that Dan did where I would not have to go and, and uh, have that personal complication. Um, at the end of the day, and I told myself this every morning I woke up, I got to do what's best for the University of Florida. That's what I get paid to do. That's where my heart is, is, is to make the Gators as good as possible. And uh, things have a way of, of working out the way they're supposed to. And I'm really, uh, I'm, I feel fortunate that we ended up where we did with it. But I, going through that process, I had to convince myself that, that Dan was unquestionably the right guy. Okay, let's get a call for you, Scott, from uh, Tim. Tim, welcome. Hey guys, uh, thanks Scott for, for taking calls today. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Um, this is kind of a two-parter kind of thing. I know some schools have, have loosened the rules on selling alcohol. Is there any plans or is there any time you would foresee, let's say maybe in the new baseball stadium, an area where there may be beverages served? You know, right now the main thing governing alcohol sales at our sporting events is uh, we have an SEC rule that does not allow – alcohol to be sold in the general seating area and uh, you are allowed to sell it in premium spaces and, and we currently do that both at uh, at uh, Ben Hill Griffin Stadium and at Exact Tech Arena in the, in the club levels and the suites. Um, so I would assume that uh, whatever we do at baseball will include some premium areas that we don't currently have and, and so that would be an opportunity there. Uh, I'd Unless, until the SEC changes the rule that allows us alcohol sales in general seating areas, we, we really don't have a decision to make. Um, uh, but for the time being, the, the league has that prohibition that, that we've got to follow. Does that answer okay. your question, Tim? It, it does. Um, and then I guess the second prong or second part of the question is, you know, with the renovations that have been done at the Exact Tech and, and with, with what's going to happen in baseball, um, which I'm excited about both, and I love the new O-Dome and everything, but I do worry that we're losing a bit of our edge as an arena. Um, yeah, to me, the O-Dome hasn't been what it was before lately. And I just, I guess my question is, is there going to be some component to ensure that there's still a close fan interaction and things that can be done to keep the crowd lively? I know you come, you know, from Mississippi State where the crowd for baseball, especially is very in tune to what's going on and, just are there things that you think we'll be able to do in the new stadium to increase that level of, of fan interaction into the game? Well, yeah, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take issue with first part of what you said, then I'll answer your question. I, I, I think the O-Dome and Exact Tech is a phenomenal place. Um, and I, I came in here when it was uh, uh, 
with the visiting teams when it was rocking when Billy had national championship teams and and it was electric. But I also been in here on the other side uh, in the old arena when I when I thought it was kind of uh, when it wasn't at quite at that fever pitch. I, I think night in night out on a consistent basis. Uh, I'm not saying every single minute of the game, but I think by and large, if the if the game's been exciting, the fans been really into it, and, and it's been a good scene. Um, and I've also heard that from from other schools that have come in the last two years and said something similar. Um, anything we do for any of our facilities, baseball, softball, when we get ready to do something at Ben Hill Griffin, um, the fan connectivity and closeness and making sure that it, it's a uh, it's conducive to having a great atmosphere is going to be something that that we really pay attention to and. Um, one of the great things I love about Exact Tech is is how the 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 pitch of the seats it goes straight up. Um, you go to some basketball arenas and and the slope is it takes the the fans further away from the the action. Um, and and I love how at the at the Exact Tech it it feels like you're right, the fans are right on top of the field. At the Swamp it feels like the fans are right on top of the field. And I, I think anything we do at baseball and softball we've got to make sure and and have that intimacy especially I think that's one of the real challenges we currently have at McKeithen Stadium is um, there's so much foul territory and then you have a 12-foot wall for the first row of seats and it does feel like the fans are are separated from the action and and baseball is a sport that you have some opportunities to really create some intimacy. All right well I appreciate it thanks Scott. All right Tim. Thank you Tim. Well let's bring Matt in. Hi Matt. Hey Scott. Uh, I'm from 601 Area Code. I live in Madison County, and I was born and raised in Gainesville, Latchville County resident, and my uh, in-laws are huge state fans. So we've had some interesting conversations over the last couple of months. Um, Just wanted to let you know, I mean, I have a lot of friends who are big state fans, and I think for the most part, people understand the job and the responsibility that you've had. And I just wanted to let you know that I know you just said that you had some scar tissue and whatnot with previous. But listen, I think most everybody understands that you have a job to do. And I just wanted to let you know I appreciate everything that you've done. And I know it's been difficult. But at the same time, you know, I appreciate, you know, where your where your heart is and, and really where your priorities should be. And, you know, to be honest, you can't blame Dan. And I don't think any Mississippi State fan can honestly blame Dan for making the decision that he made. But with that all being said, um, the last caller kind of stole my thunder talking about some of the upgrades with the football. Because I have friends that come and they travel and whatnot, and we seem like we've kind of fallen behind. The Swamp's a great place, but what are some things, uh, and you probably answer some of the questions, but what are, what are some of the things that we could do with the uh, football stadium? You know, I know we have the scoreboard and whatnot, but is there any idea about any plans maybe making that bigger or maybe incre- you know increasing the Wi-Fi or whatnot? What are some things you know on the docket as far as the um, the swamp? And I'll hang up and listen. Talk okay. to you later. Thank you, Matt. <clears throat> yeah, Matt, uh, I appreciate what you, the first thing you said. And, and uh, uh, as far as the the football stadium, uh, to me, there's some there's some quote unquote low, low hanging fruit, and by low hanging, it's this still uh, has a cost associated with it. But Wi-Fi certainly is one of them. Those, that's something that uh, that we are currently engaged in trying to figure out a way to provide at the swamp. Um, a new sound system, I think, is going to be important at some point. The the uh, as I understand it from talking to the the audio engineers, the actual physical structure of the swamp without a lot of overhangs. Um, makes 
providing a distributed sound system a challenge and and that's ideally you you have a distributed sound system where there's speakers located throughout the stadium currently we have a big cluster of speakers in the uh, south end zone um, and it's it's adequate but it's not ideal uh, but we've got to figure out something there we got to make the sound system better uh, video boards uh, yes, we're always going to be investing in those. And I, we know we put the ribbon boards in last year and the lower level fascia. And I think that helped uh, add some, some excitement or some, some, you know, some little more dynamic fan presentation. Um, I would love to find a way. To me, uh, the, the uh, swamp was kind of built for an uh, audience that may come to a football game 25 years ago. We're showing up with little to no legroom and sitting on a metal uh, piece of metal for three hours uh, was just what you did. And I think our clientele, our society has changed. People like nicer amenities. They want a little more room. Um, they're willing to pay a little bit more to have a little bit nicer stuff. And I would love to find a way to uh, keep what makes the swamp special, which is that that tightness for the fans intimacy intimacy yeah yeah. but also make it more fan friendly i you know used to everybody used to chase a a seat count number everybody wanted to have a ninety thousand seat stadium or a hundred thousand seat stadium i don't i don't know that that's the holy grail now like it used to be um you see new nfl stadiums being built they have sixty five thousand seats Um, but it's the amenities and the the amenities and the comfort and 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 just the niceness of it all and so um, you know, I, I could see us, you know, maybe losing seat count, but making it a, a nicer fan experience overall. I'd love to bring some video boards or some digital signage down into the bowl somehow, um, because I feel like it's it's almost disconnected from the rest of the of the seating, the way it's up at the very top of the stadium. I'd love to find a way to bring some premium spaces down into the into the main bowl because I do feel like that's a little bit separated, especially on the west side. Um, I don't know what all that means. We have some. We're kicking around some ideas. I think we have a chance to create some some fun, unique places uh, that make the swamp really special. Uh, BB says uh, first, as a transplanted resident of Mississippi State grad, welcome to Gainesville. He said the Bulldogs lost both you and Dan, but I'm glad you're both here. We become Starkville East. <laughs> Are there any long range plans to add to the tennis facilities to enable the Gators to once again host the NCAA's? Um, Part of our um, on, ongoing master plan process does include tennis, and uh, I uh, just I'd love to see us. I I don't like bleacher seats, and you're going to have some bleacher seats at football, uh, but I I like chairback seats. I'd love to go into tennis and put all chairback seats in. I'd love to put a, a, a some kind of a sunshade covering, uh, as we've talked about at softball and baseball, doing the same thing at tennis. Um, and beyond that. Um, you know, we're going to do some things that will allow us to take care of our fans and, and compete at the highest level. And if, and if doing so allows us to, to host NCAA is great, but I don't think we're going to, I don't think we're going to make decisions just tied to hosting NCAAs. Um, uh, the way it works now, you get to host the first two rounds at home if you're good enough. And um, uh, I don't know that we have the space, to be honest with you, to build enough courts to host what they require now with the men and women both hosting simultaneously. Um, I, I don't think we have the space to, to add what we would need to there. But as we go through this process, if that opportunity presents itself, we wouldn't be opposed to it. One thirty-seven time check brought to you by Hayes Prestige Jewelry, where the answer is always yes. 
Uh, we'll take a break with Scott. Love having him here. Stay with us on Sports Scene. Welcome back to Sports Scene. As our guest is the Gator Athletic Director, Scott Strickland, on Facebook Live. Maurice says, what are your expectations for this upcoming football season? What are we doing new for recruits we haven't done in the past? Um, I, I, I don't know how to answer that second one. We, you know, yeah. uh, Obviously, right now, I think the big focus recruiting-wise is uh, – Trying to build relationships as quickly as possible between the uh, the new staff and and uh, the good news is we have guys who have recruited the state of Florida, so they're not a stranger to Florida and they're not a stranger to uh, the Gators. Um, but it just uh, it's amazing how how quickly uh, you know generations turn over and uh, these guys who uh, were on Coach Meyer's staff ten years ago. Uh, the guys they're recruiting now were seven and eight years old. They probably weren't even paying attention to to football then. So they've got to kind of build those relationships. As far as my expectations, um, you know, I'm 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 obviously not going to talk about anything in terms of wins and losses. But um, you know, I want to see I want to see a, a Dan talks about relentless effort and uh, not to not to get cliche, but you know, I, I want to see a team that that uh, puts a nod on some people when we step out there and and plays with a physicality and a toughness. That you have to have in this league because I know we have we have athletes and I know we're going to get even better athletes as time goes on. And um, if you're the University of Florida and you have a team that's well coached and and fundamentals and will will play to the very limit, you're going to win a lot of football games. And um, I, I just I think Dan's going to have those guys in shape. Uh, Coach Savage is is already doing a great job in the weight room with our sta- with our team. Um, on, on the way over to the studio here, I ran to Chauncey Gardner. And ask him how uh, conditioning was going, and he he suggested I show up at five forty in the morning to see for myself. And uh, I told him I'd take his word for it. But uh, I asked uh, Chauncey, you know, he had a big grin on his face. But um, it's amazing how young people they want to be pushed, they want accountability, and uh, you can just tell there's a, there's a lot of energy in our locker room right now. And I think you're going to see that on the football field this fall. All right, let's get a call from uh, Martha. Martha, what's up? Hello. Hello, Martha. Go ahead. Hi. Hi, Steve. Hello. Hi, Mr. Strickland. Hey, Martha. How are oh, you? Good. I have a sensitive question for you. Okay. And, and I'll let you know that it breaks my heart for me to have to bring this up. Um, where I said I happen to have a, a couple that they take up two seats instead of one, and I have been purchasing my chair back to get my space, but still I have part of the body on top of my leg. and. You know, I, I don't. I'm hoping that you all can put chairbacks, you know, with armrests or something for the whole stadium because it's a problem. It's a big problem. Yes, ma'am. I understand. And uh, and then my husband wanted me to to let you know that the men's bathroom need a lot of attention. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, uh, Skip Burt. Skip. I'll oh, go ahead. Appreciate what you are doing. First of all. We definitely appreciate what you're doing, and we're, we're backing you up a thousand percent. So anything that you do, know that we are appreciative. Thank you so much. I uh, real quick, I I, uh, I don't know if this is true or not, but I was told once that Skip Bertman, when he first became head baseball coach at LSU, and this was before they had turned that program into uh, you know the fan favorite that it has become, uh, that. Uh, his big his big focus was uh, clean restrooms and, and good concessions because he said if you give people nice restrooms and hot coffee they'll come to the ball game and uh, there's something that's that's really simplistic but there's something to that that uh, those are um, you know those are important things and. 
kind of block that's kind of the blocking and tackling of fan experience and we got to make sure we're good at that part and with the ladies restroom the ladies just need a little shelf or something for the week to check to all right yeah martha your phone is kind of going in and out here all right thank you your phone kind of died on us there so um okay <laughs> wow Jerry says on again it's for Facebook Live. He says he loves seeing Scott on Facebook Live because he can see his hands and arms moving to illustrate his points. You can't see that through the radio. You can't? No, you can't. That's what it, that's what Facebook Live is. It's really cool. And uh, I talk with my hands. I can't help it. So do I. I'm I'm part Italian. I it's <laughs> in, in, it's in, in, inherited. Um, all right, got a, got about uh, maybe five more minutes with Scott. So uh, if you got a quick call, three nine two eight two five five. You can email us russell at wruf dot com, and you can uh, ask a question or a comment through Facebook Live. Scott, I guess uh, if we don't get any more, I, I will. Oh wait, I think we just got one. So I think it's an email here, and it is. Um, what part does any given school's AD play in the hiring of commentators? Mick's one of the best ever voice of the Gators, but at some point he's going to have to give those golden pipes a rest. Uh, if you're still Florida's AD at the time, please anoint Jeff. Oh, this is Cardozo setting it up. That's what this is. Not the, okay, this is Cardozo here. No, he just says, if you're still Florida's AD at that time, please anoint Jeff as the heir to Mick's throne. Well, I... Uh, I I think the AD probably has a say in what happens there, and yeah. I agree completely. Mick is uh, Mick is a legend, and uh, you know we're really fortunate, and uh, not only to have we have such a great we have Mick, but you know obviously the people that work alongside him, um, you know Lee in football and uh, uh, Bill and Mark in basketball, and then uh, love j- listening to you and, uh, and Jeff Steve on the on the baseball broadcast, and um, we've got a you know we're fortunate to be in a market where we we have a lot of really good broadcasters who. We're able to call our games, and I, uh, where Mick is concerned, I, you know, I've got a list of coaches that uh, we're never going to let retire. We're just going to bronze them, you know, Mouse <laughs> Holloway, Tim Walton, uh, Roland Thornquist, yeah. yeah, Sully, and I'm going to put Mick in that same category. That uh, we're just going to have to prop him up if he ever gets to that point where uh, where he's ready to to call it quits. I hope hope he has a, quite a few years left. I'm going to end on a little bit of a serious note here, but, you know, as an athletic director of any school, Scott, I'm sure, you know, ADs are looking at issues and, you know, maybe something down the road. Are there any issues in, in collegiate athletics that concern you off the top of your head that, you know, if whether it be ADs meeting or the school presidents to, that you'd like to see either change or be be different? You know, I, I do feel like college athletics is uh, sometimes is a – a victim of a, a victim of its own success, and by that I mean we obviously it's a very popular enterprise, and we create uh, we're able to provide a really special opportunity academically and athletically for, in our case, 500 student athletes um, at Florida, and, and then you extrapolate that across the country. That's that's thousands upon thousands of young people who are who are getting um, something that's really unique. And I, but but people tend to focus on. Um, the things that get attention, which is coaches' contracts or TV contracts, which ties into money, and and I feel like because of that, in a lot of ways, uh, this enterprise is under attack. And um, it's interesting. We uh, when you talk to people from other countries, we had a group from Japan visit us from a university in Japan a couple of weeks ago, kind of studying our model. Um, people don't realize this. This is the only country in the world that combines high-level athletics with an academic setting. Um, I, I had a 
visited with a young girl who was a soccer player from Europe on an official visit several years ago, and I asked her why she wanted to come to America to go to school, and she said because when you get out of high school in Europe, you either have to go join a club if you want to continue to play competitively, or you have to go to the university to get an education. You can't do both, and America is the only place you can do both. I didn't realize that. And you and and for all the all the it's not a perfect system anything with people is going to be imperfect and, and college athletics is imperfect but boy it's such a good uh well-meaning enterprise and it helps so many young people it obviously creates uh a great experience for the communities that we are in and the states that we represent um and it's not perfect and we're going to continue to make it perfect we'll continue to find ways to improve the experience for our athletes and our students uh but i would uh I, uh, you know, the pay for play thing is is something that is bothersome because I think that totally changes our model if that ever happens, and you you would see people eliminate sports and just focus on the the sports that produce revenue, and I just think that would that's not what we are about um, in college athletics, and uh, so that that is something that if you think long term, that's something that that is a concern for me because uh, that would um, it would see we become we become I know people joke that we're we're a semi-pro outfit um we're not we just happen to be a uh, we happen to be on a university setting and, and what we do is very popular so we're able to generate the resources we need to provide the experience that we that we're able to provide um but if you ever started paying players it would totally change and and i don't think necessarily for the better for uh, the overall enterprise and for the 500 athletes that we're able to provide the experience for so that's kind of a heavy question, a heavy answer to your question. No, I but, like the answer. But that's the kind of thing that you sit around and think, what would that mean? I'm, I, uh, you know, at the Rio Olympic Games, one of the, you know, the Olympics are starting up here in a couple of weeks in, in uh, South Korea, and then the Summer Games will be two years from now. At the last games in Rio, 85% of the American Olympians were products of college athletics, either current athletes or had been athletes. Um, 85%. And, and one of the interesting things from talking to this delegation from Japan a couple weeks ago is what a huge – they realize what a huge advantage that is for America because we have a built-in feeder system for our Olympic movement. If you went to a pay-for-play model for football, men's basketball, you would see track and field programs cut. You'd see swimming and diving programs cut. You would see lots and lots of programs cut of Olympic sports that would totally gut the USOC and our Olympic movement here in our country. That's just another example of what would, you know, one of the unintended consequences would be. Um, America is a place that other people are coming to study what we do and how we do it. And we in America tend to uh, find what's wrong with our system, but there's, there's an awful lot right with it. That's a good way to end. Uh, our guest, Scott Strickland, being with us here today, the Gator AD. Thanks, Scott. We always appreciate you.